Hello, everyone. I am Mark the Actor, and with me always is... Alex the Animator. And today we're going to be talking about commitment, and what commitment means in both the acting world and the animation world. They're slightly different, but commitment is a very important aspect, so let's dive right into it. gonna lie i'm gonna be completely upfront with this uh i was inspired by this topic because of something that happened recently with my roommate and the show that she's in right now where uh, one of the leads basically took the last week of rehearsal off claiming several different things um it was all last minute and it's very frustrating for everybody else in the cast as well as the director and the producer and everyone else involved when without any kind of warning you're telling everyone last minute oh hey i'm not going to show up for five rehearsals including our tech rehearsals before we open the show um it's extremely bad to do such a thing uh so to kind of break it down uh in the world of theater first of all is when you're coming together to put on a show, um, it is a group effort, and you need to be direct with your times and your availability and everything. So, for example, for me, when I get cast in multiple shows at once, I let every single show know that I'm in other shows. And I give them my schedule for those shows as soon as like I'm cast sort of thing. So, if I'm cast in August in one show, and then... Uh, the rehearsals and the runtime of that show go into September and I'm cast another show that starts rehearsing in September. I'll tell the second show, Hey, these dates are already booked off because of this show. Um, and that's usually something you let them know before you even sign up. Like it's something you let them know at some point during the audition. <laughs> um, you know, they'll ask you before you leave, Hey, is there anything, any questions or anything you go? Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm currently doing, uh, Shakespeare in the Park, Midsummer Night's Dream. So this day, this day, this day, no go. Uh, and you know, ca- like uh, theater people will work around that. You know, if they like you enough and they want you, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, cool. Like you're gonna miss the first four rehearsals. That's fine. You know, just catch up." Blah 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 blah. Um, when you when you give up this commitment to these types of projects, when you come in last minute and say oh, hey, I'm going to miss because of blank, I'm going to miss because of blank, I'm going to miss because of blank. The If you do it in such a way where it's obvious that you're lying, especially, um, it's going to completely ruin your reputation. And anyone involved with that show, like you might think that, oh, hey, I'm the lead in this project, so it doesn't really matter, you know, if I want to take a day off, I'm going to take a day off, because these people aren't as talented as I am, or whatever the hell is going through your brain. Um, those people who are quote unquote underneath you, you have no idea who they are, where they're coming from and what they're going to. And so if they're connected enough and if they've done enough big enough projects, you can almost guarantee that you will never get cast in any of those types of projects with that person or anyone who knows that person ever again, because they're going to let people know that so-and-so did this and then it's over for you. Um, it is not a smart thing 
to be calling in late or saying, oh, hey, I can't make it because of blah. Now, there are certain situations that are completely out of your control, obviously. You know, if if, if all of a sudden you tell your boss, like, hey, I need this Thursday off because of blah, blah, blah. And your boss is like, if you take this Thursday off, you're fired. You know, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, It's up to you to make that decision at that point. But sometimes you have to call those in. But that's not something that will happen, like, every day. (laughs) Um, So... You know, and also uh, being part of an actor, you, you, if you can work in the type of career where you can get people to cover for you, like, like that's why the actor waiter is such a, like, like a uh, stereotype because, um, if you need, if all of a sudden you have a rehearsal or whatever, you can call somebody in to take your place for you, you know, like it's, it makes it easier that way. Um, it also brings anyways, about yeah. the, um, the idea of the understudy, right? For the, like the massive, massive shows that get yeah. traveling around have huge broadway circuits or even just you know a north american tour or whatever there's always the leads plus understudies often more than yes. one uh for exactly this reason so if the lead just decides to up and leave for personal or professional or unprofessional reasons or whatever then there are people to take their place and or in this particular instance it sounds like this was very unprofessional very yes. much just uh sounding very much very snobbish very snooty but uh yeah i mean you definitely don't want to be that person who puts the black cloud over their own head and then you know has the sorrowful walk away from the show where they're like oh well why why did they do this to me and they don't understand that it was them who put the black cloud above their own head yeah absolutely and i mean like again there is a certain level of like the excuse is valid you know like all of a sudden you call them up like yeah like my mom's sick i have to go to the hospital you know like 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 theater people will understand but it's when you just decide to take this whole week off just randomly without telling anybody like that's that's where the problem kind of lies in i need a um, break yeah or like you know and it's all like bs excuses and all that yeah. all that jazz because there's always a, uh, there's always you know those cases where it's going to be like you said completely out of your control but yeah those aren't you're like you shouldn't be fishing for those if you need a break kind of thing if you need a break say that you need a break and then yeah you know you might get a day or you might get something but you don't you don't need to lie about it no for sure and i mean like and and to, and to go back to the understudy thing right a lot of the times productions will have understudies not just as like a safety net but also because like their lead actor goes oh hey um i'm filming something in september to december so, like, I won't be able to do it. And then it's like, okay, well, we'll get so-and-so to understudy this person. Because um, it's it's just a common thing. Like, actually, uh, uh, two, two, story, two quick stories. Um, so there was a production of uh, Seussical, like a Broadway production of it. And the guy who played the Grinch in that one, I think this is, I think it's Seussical. The guy who plays the Grinch in that uh, version played Robbie Rotten in Lazy Town. Which, first of all, is like kind of funny. Uh, but then his understudy for that, because he was going to be gone for like a month or whatever. Um, his understudy for that, I forget the actor's name off the top of my head. But uh, he plays Art the Clown in the Terrifier movies. So I think it's really funny that it's like uh, these two kind of big names. One's understudying the other one. And they're two completely different genres outside of that production. Um, and then the other story, which is me... Uh, one of my last shows, if not my last show in Fort McMurray, um, 
I had a I had a small part in it. I was just called like the music man, and I was just like a homeless guy with a cart full of musical instruments. And during the production of that show, there was three professionals from out of town in it. And at different points, all three of those guys had to go back to Edmonton or Calgary or whatever for a different commitment that they made. Um, so I was the understudy for all three of them. So I learned four different parts in the production, as well as like some of the kids' parts to help them, like help st- stage management as well, get those kids on set at the right time. Uh, and that was like, that was a very rewarding experience because I just basically like learned the entire show. <laughs> and, um, it was fun. So like, you know, under- understudying can be great. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. But you, you shouldn't have to rely on them though in like smaller productions, right? Like if I sign a contract with a company saying like, yeah, I'm going to perform this show over the summer, then I'm committing to that over the summer. For sure. And I mean, a lot of these smaller production companies, they don't have it in their budget or even just in the wherewithal to have an understudy. So if you're the lead and you're going to walk away, I mean, that's, that's going to sour a lot of things, not just your reputation, right? Which really, when you're you're in a creative field, it's, it's everything. And we've talked about it at length, I feel like over the course of many episodes, but you know, the, the idea of being committed to a show or uh, like a contract, a gig or even a project or, or whatever. Yeah. We, we talk about it again and again and again, and then just see it through, Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, in the film world, you know, there's so much money and manpower put into filming these things that if you just back out, it's, it's just over. You know, it's, it's just over. You, like, you can't even get away with that with auditions. Like, if if I have an audition, and I, I don't I don't want to put it this way, but this does come across actors' heads, so I feel safe saying it. If you have, a, like, a film or movie audition and you just don't want it the part, like, you, you, you have zero interest in it, um, even saying no to something like that, uh, that's going to look bad. Because casting has picked you out of, like, 500 people. And you're not going to show up or you're not going to give them their time, then they're not going to pick you again in the future. They're right. going to remember that. And so just for so, context here, this is we're talking like, you know, entry level positions. You're going to shoot like a commercial sort of thing, right? The, well, anything, anything for film like that's that's just like a common thing. Like if, if you're a one liner in a in a TV series, you know, like if, if you if you decide not to go in on that, mm-hmm. they're gonna be like, OK, well, then why would you even submit? Like that's right. what that's what becomes the argument. Um, because your agent submits on your behalf. So you have to let your agent know, first of all, what's going on. So they don't submit you for something when you're out of town. <laughs> um, uh, that's, that's a problem a lot of young actors have is that they don't update their agent. But at the same time, you know, if, if for whatever reason, I just don't feel like doing it or uh, there's an accident or whatever, whatever the reason is, like, even if it's something serious when it comes to film, they're going to be upset with you, which is like, I think it's a bit unfair. But, I think that's gonna uh, that, that'll vary. I think from company to company, but when and I mean, if you already have like a good reputation with said casting director, I don't think it's gonna matter as much because they're just gonna be like, oh yeah, no, this he's trustworthy in the past. This is just a weird off, one off thing. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead. But I mean, be humble about it too, right? Because who are you? Mm-hmm. Like, who are you to say no to these people? I mean, yeah, you know, unless there there are something completely morally wrong, uh, you know, who are you to say no? I mean. Yeah. Oftentimes you're nobody, you know, you, you don't, you don't command that kind of gravitas in a room and you'll find that the actors who do command that kind of gravitas are humble. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not the kind of people that are shoving this stuff down your throat or in your face. 
right? Yeah, There's 100%. a reason that they command the room. There's a reason that they have the gravitas. Yeah. You know, it's often these ones who think that they're more than what they are. They're the ones that with the bad reputation and they're the ones that, you know, they, they find their own exit to their own career because <laughs> they're, they're showing themselves to the door by walking away from so many yeah. projects. Well, yeah, they, 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 um, those type of, the, the unhumble ones are, are sort of like the flash of light, right? Like they hit it so hard, so young and they get so much success so quickly. And then they, it just, they don't step back and kind of look at things differently and they don't, they think they're above everything. And that's not, you, you, and here's the thing too, when can you sign up to do a project, why would you think you're above that project? Right. If, if you agree to give someone your time and energy, then that should like you should realize you that should you're do. on the level Give of your exactly. time and energy. <laughs> exactly. But like if you're signing up for the project, it's like you you agree that you're at this level. You know, you agree that you are at this project. Right. So why would you think you're better than said project? Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't make it's one of those things like again, one of the, and one of the reasons why I want to talk about this as well is like it's one of those aspects of the actor mentality that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand why you would sign on the dotted line and have all these people, you know, be a part of this group and you're all working together to get this thing made and to make it the best thing you possibly can. Why would you self-sabotage the project by not being fully committed to it? Like it doesn't, the, the, the ego side of it doesn't make sense to me because you're not going to look any better with less rehearsal than you would with more, first of all. And you're not going to look good in front of the other actors and the director and the producers and all that by showing that showing disrespect to the project. So it's just like a weird thing that is sort of problematic with a lot of like younger actors. And they just sort of need to understand that like when you agree to do a project, it's not just your time that's put on the line. It's everybody's involved, like literally everyone's involved. So it's so selfish and rude, in my opinion, to stamp all over your commitment to this project, to this work. Um, You're not making any better. You're hindering it. You become a hindrance and it doesn't make any sense. And your ego shouldn't, your ego shouldn't be that big to feel like you can do this kind of thing. Well, part of the thing that makes you okay. Part of the thing that makes you a good actor is that you're able to put your ego away. You can Mm -hmm. move it aside. Right. Mm-hmm. It's also part of being a good leader, which we also talked about. Mm-hmm. So sorry, I feel like I've been rambling on for a bit. Uh, uh, it's let's, okay. Let's move on to the actor side, which I think your contracts are a bit stronger than. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Actors, depends, like you know, a lot of the animation contracts, there's still a probationary period that you go through. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, when you get an animation contract, it's because you're the one that's been fishing for it, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're mm-hmm. you're seeking it out. So when I was working for an animation house in Canada, we, when our project would come to a close, you know, we would go to HR and we would say, Hey, what's coming up the pipeline? And, you know, they would say this and this and this, and you, you would be like, Oh, can I get on that one? And they'd see if they had openings and room and stuff like that. You still had to apply for all of this stuff, but at least they gave you some insight into what's coming up. Right. Oftentimes they will try to roll over their talent. So the idea that you finish one contract and then you roll right onto your next one, or you might have a couple weeks in between, depending on the need or how far along production is. But with animation, if you sign a contract to do the show, and then depending on 
your seniority level if you decide to walk away from the contract to pursue another opportunity. That's it's pretty common practice. I mean, it's not exactly liked, but it's it's so commonplace in the animation industry that people are kind of just used to it. The the kicker here is if you're like a very senior animator and you decide that you're just going to walk away from the project for personal or professional reasons, it, oftentimes it's very hard to replace somebody in a more senior position. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and it's just because, you know, oftentimes with a lead or a senior, they're the ones that are helping develop the style of the show mm -hmm. and doing a lot of the foundational work so that the animators have an easier time like staying on style and getting the show done. So if somebody in that position is going to walk away, the studio is going to do everything in their power to make sure that you stay on as long as possible so that they can transition you out and somebody else in. Uh -huh. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're still going to be paid during this time. And it's not it's not very common for animators to to walk away from a contract that they've committed to. I mean, a lot of the time when you're animating, you're excited to be on whatever it is you're working on. Now, I've uh -huh. worked on some shows that I wasn't excited to to work on. But I mean, at the time, I was so junior that I was just taking anything that they were going to throw at me. You know, of course. they're like, Alex, work on the show. Be like, yes, yes, I'll work on that show. Yes, please. Another one like that, and deep down inside, I'm saying, oh, God, not another one of these. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know, you, you have to kind of wade a little bit through the trash to get to the treasure. And so, you know, over time, I got to work on more lucrative projects, you know, finishing with Lego. And now, uh, from Lego, I made the jump into video games, and I'm working on a really cool project now. And so, I mean, it just, it takes time. And so that that was one of the things I wanted to talk about because this episode is mostly about being committed and, you know, having that commitment to the contract and what happens when you walk away. But on the animation side, it's it's persistence, right? Uh -huh. You you sign the contract or you agree to do it. You're committed to it. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's, it's commonplace to be like, oh, another opportunity opened up. You apply for it. You get it. And you're like, peace out. <laughs> and you know then it's just the whole seniority thing so if you're more senior you're going to want to give your 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 company more time to be like hey i'm leaving we can transition somebody else in uh but if you're more junior and you're like hey i'm i'm leaving they they might be like okay bye you know like we, we got people you know it's okay you know so junior roles are much much easier to fill especially with uh, in in larger metro centers like toronto montreal vancouver la Santa Monica, you know, because everybody wants to get into these fields. And if you're fresh out of school, you know, they're going to be like, perfect, junior animators. Weehaw. Here we go. You know, and so if, if you're if you're not in a senior position at a company, you might not get the same, you know, handshakes and out the door kind of thing. They might just be like, Kate, hand in your badge, man. See you later. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the other thing... Want your badge and your gun. <laughs> yeah, badge and your gun. Oh, gosh, I hope animators aren't coming to work with guns. It's so scary. Well, maybe maybe in L.A. <laughs> ah! I'm not touching that. So there, there's one thing that I really wanted to, to mention here, and it's, uh, it's like a counterpoint to kind of what we're talking about here is... Mm -hmm. Um, do definitely do your own research on the topic, but I'm I'm just gonna touch it briefly. It's it's about the Black Cauldron in Disney, uh, or the Chronicles of Prydain is the book series that the Black Cauldron is based on. Five part book series. Uh, I'm reading it with my kids, so I won't I won't comment on it yet. But 
the story with Disney is that the higher ups had a very specific vision for the film. They wanted it to be made a very specific way. But what kept happening is Disney was getting new waves of animators coming in. And when the new waves came in, some of the old dogs started to retire out. You know, they'd had enough. Yeah. They'd been animating for 30 plus years. You know, their hands are sore. Their wrists are sore. They're tired. You know, they, they want to move into more spots where they're directing. They're, they're supervising. They can take their hands away from the page for a bit because they've been doing it for so long. And remember that this is all still on paper and acetate and with multiplane cameras and handles and cranks. And, you know, there's a lot of people and a lot of special tools and stuff. But the higher ups didn't think that the new grads coming in could handle the black cauldron. They thought, no, they're, they're not ready for this. No, they're not ready for this. So they tried them out on smaller films so that they got them to do something like the fox and the hound instead. And then I think even the Jungle Book came. But um, what kept happening was all of these mid-level animators were like, no, like, we're ready. Like, we've done films. We've showed you. We can, we can commit to the project. We can start it. We can finish it. We're, we're good. The only thing that the Black Cauldron is offering as far as the challenge goes is, like, the not even the style, but, like, the story. It's just getting it, like, disney really. And... Everybody can stay on style because back then your drawing skills, I feel, were so much stronger than they are now out of necessity. But the higher ups were like, no, 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 no. Just a constant slur of no, they're not ready. They're not ready. They're still too, they're baby animators. We need to, we need to, to get their hands more developed and this and that. And so what happened was Don Bluth took a bunch of the animators and just pieced right out. He left the company. And he took like almost all the mid-level animators with him. And he started his own company. And if you don't know who Don Bluth is, then you got some research to do. But he he's famous for the Fightful game... Mouskovich. Yeah, well, he's famous for the game Dragon's Lair and oh, Space yeah. Ace. But as far yeah. as movies go, he did like The Secret of Nim, We Are Back, uh, Troll in Central Park, Thumbelina. Like those were all Don Bluth movies. And uh, he... uh, Fifel. If Eiffel goes west, an American an tale, American tale yeah. yeah, those ones are all great too. Dom DeLuise, yeah. uh, oh, the Dom voice DeLuise. of Tiger. Yeah, all but dogs go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. Yeah, okay, we could have a whole episode about Dom Sorry, Bluth I, if I, you I... want to. But the idea is that he took a bunch of these mid-level animators away from Disney because they kept saying no, 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 no. You're not ready, 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 ready. When in fact that they had proven through the course of several movies that yeah, they can handle this, but. When push comes to shove and Don Bluth took everybody and left, Disney was like, uh, I guess we should make it now. And <laughs> so they ended up making it and it ended up being worse because they had people who were no longer passionate about this project working on this project because it had been in limbo for so long. And so, I mean, it doesn't take much. You can look at the Black Cauldron and it's good. It got good reviews when it came out, but... It's not a passion project for Disney. And a lot of the time they tried to sweep it under the rug when the Disney vault was a thing and they were releasing movies like Pinocchio and Cinderella for the hundredth time. You know, The Black Cauldron never got released until it was like a late 90s release or early 90s release, something like that. It was, it was, it was late 90s. It was wild in, 
And then when it finally came out, people were like, where was this movie? Like a new generation of kids were like, where did this come from? And Disney was like, oh, uh, people like this, huh? And so, you know, it, it was it was just a, like a whole mismatch of upper level management, not understanding, you know, the, the drive of their their employees and the shifting and the shifting uh, interests of their audience. Right. Because think about what happened between, you know, the 1950s and in the 1980s. I mean, aside from world events. You know, what, there's something in the middle that became really popular as a as a form of North American culture, even or Western culture is Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. And so when the Black Cauldron came out, people were like, that's cool. Disney's doing like fighting with swords and the Horn King. I think mm-hmm. even a guard. I think I actually think that a guard is killed in, in the Disney movie. But uh, don't quote me on that. But yeah, I mean, do definitely well, do your own the, research. The, 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 but. This they is... did do horrific things because I remember like he took that chicken and the axe and threw it in the cauldron and it came out like a like an axe chicken. Yeah, but, like <laughs> I, me- I remember that. Like yeah. that's the one main thing I remember from Black Cauldron because like it was it was it is what you're saying. It's what I'm saying. Yeah, is that it was like it was a bit edgier for Disney. Definitely, it's it's yeah. it was one of like the the darker things that Disney did for sure. But I mean, the the disconnect between top and bottom or even top and middle was such that these animators were so committed to the Black Cauldron project, but Disney was like, nah, you ain't ready. And so they walked away. They left the contract because of creative differences. And some people would be like, oh, it's so unprofessional. They walked away from Disney when Disney was doing all this and that and the other thing. But they they didn't put a black cloud over their own heads for doing that because they it was they wanted to to work on this project, but we're continually told, no, you can't, you're not ready. No, mm-hmm. no, no. And so they said, okay, well, this company isn't going to give me the opportunities that I want or, you know, to get to work on the projects that I want to work on. So I'm going to go with this guy and we're going to go work on the projects that we want to work on because we know that we're talented enough and we've made movies at Disney. We know the pipeline, you know, it wouldn't be hard to find other people who want to, to work a different project. So there was a huge like headbutting thing between the Don Bluth studio and the Disney studio for a while. But I, I honestly feel like because of the, the creative differences and the, the, the longing for more creative projects is, is a big thing. And so even, even at the studio that I work at now, um, we, we, we talk, uh, we have these meetings you know, once a month where we just kind of, because everything is so remote, we have these little fun Zoom calls where people do, we talk about like superheroes and, uh, you know, it'll be like a, like a tournament tree where there'll be like DC superheroes and Marvel superheroes and then you know, they put them head to head and, and we talk about it and we just have fun and, you know, it, it's interesting to, to see what happens when people come out of the woodwork and they're not, you know, they're not on work hours. So we just do fun little things like that. And one of the things that we talked about uh, creatively one day was that, you know, we, we've made a lot of games in this one particular genre. Wouldn't it be cool if we did a different genre? And then <laughs> there were so many people from the company that were like, yeah, 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 and piggybacked on top of it, right? And so upper management is always a part of these calls. And so they, they kind of were like, oh, oh, 
oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe we should, you know, it's just... Maybe diversify a little a, bit. A little bit, but I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the future. But I, that's definitely what happened with Disney was that they had this formula and they had a working formula. And then the animators were like, this is stupid. Like, you know, like <laughs> we, we want to work on something more fulfilling in our career. And Disney was like, yeah, but the formula. And the animators were like, mm, yeah, you keep that, man. We're going to go do something else. And then they went and did something else. And they found another successful formula, you know. So, I mean, it's not like you can you can walk away from a commitment for a number of reasons right and, okay. and with animation it's usually uh there's a better opportunity opening up for you somewhere and with the production because there's so many people on an animated production you know it's it's very rare that the lead of a production is just gonna up and leave and if they do you know it, it's it's it can have negative consequences if if it's leaving on bad terms but if it's just they're pursuing other opportunities, then usually what happens is the studio takes the time to transition the lead out and bring another one in. Right there. It, it, it's very different. So, I mean, it's not like the star of Hamlet can peace out and leave the, the theater company high and dry. If the, the lead of a TV show pieces out and tries to leave the company high and dry because there's so many teams, another lead from a different team will just kind of pick up the slack until they can find another one, right? It's very unfortunate in that situation, and it's very rare that it does happen, but it's, it's, not, it's not the same as, like, in acting. You know, like if... Uh, let's take Guardians of the Galaxy, for example, right? They're, <laughs> they're filming Guardians of the Galaxy, and on, you know... Uh, the last month or two of shooting Chris Pratt decides no I'm walking away and he leaves the set and he leaves in a huff he's on bad terms with the director and the cast you know they have to do reshoots mm-hmm. you know they'd have to go through which and, will cost millions and millions and it would cost a lot of money or you know these days they probably CGI him in or whatever but um you know that that that's a different can of worms because he's a he's a physical person that you see on the screen like he's in a starring role and he's very visible but when you're working on animated features or films or television or video games even we're we're all behind the camera like sitting in desks or standing at desks these days but when when somebody's like nah i've had enough of this project this project doesn't need me anymore or i don't want to work on this project anymore then there's another lead who's kind of like, uh, okay, I'll just step in place here and all right, <laughs> you know, like there, there's a lot, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and who knows, maybe that was the uh, the the opportunity that a mid level animator needed to get into the more senior role, right? I mean, there, there's there's a lot of juggling that goes on behind the scenes, and my experience in the creative industry is when you're an animator and you sign on to an animated project you're pretty happy to be on that animated project. And when that project rolls out, then you're looking for your next one and your next one and your next one and so on and so forth. But if you do leave in the middle of the production, like I said earlier, depending on your seniority level, you're going to have a different impact on the production. So, And, and you see, cause, and that's the part that makes me weird from the actor side, because 
um like like you like what you're saying is that you you have another project to go to another project to go to another project to go to that's not always uh, true don't get me wrong not always true yeah because yeah, there, like, there are the... dry periods for sure like i a lot of my instructors talk about the dry periods in the 90s like the late 80s early 90s when they were fighting each other for serial commercials <laughs> uh yeah which is like which is uh, that that fight i think is more common in the acting world especially when it comes to like film um Theater, maybe not so much. You can always find local theater that can that you can get into, but uh, to drop out of a film role for BS reasons. I remember, um, remember actually being background on a set, and the girl that was supposed to play the waitress in the scene, uh, she bailed, and there was but like she didn't bail on a negative thing. She got like a call, and like someone in her family got sick, and she had to leave. So like everyone in the production was like, okay, yeah, like. You showed up, and then this emergency happened. So, like, yeah, like, go ahead and leave. And they just grabbed somebody else to go, like, who was like around her size, so she could wear the costume to go be the the server. So, like, it, it can happen like that, and that's okay. But I mean, I, I again to kind of sorry, I got off topic in this for a second. But to go back and just like as an actor, you're not guaranteed your next project, and it's not like you can just hand out like a resume and get work. It's not that simple. Um, some actors have actually like moved across country to because uh, they messed up so bad in the one city, so they moved to another one to make it better. Oof. Um, yeah, it's it's rough. So to kind of show disrespect by by leaving so late in a project or by not being fully committed, it it, it can ruin you. Um, but all that being said, there is appropriate times to back out of a project so for example if you're being physically or like emotionally abused um get out <laughs> there's no reason to stay if uh you're getting hurt by other people in the production um or the production itself maybe your director is just really neglectful or whatever um but if it's one of those things that if like you can spot it like if if you know extremely early on that you not you're not going to be able to complete this project, back off and get out as soon as possible. Yeah, do it early. And, yeah, because like I'm speaking from experience where, I, and I believe I've told this story before, where I was part of a project where I was in two shows for this one company, and very early on they disrespected me, and at that moment I should have left. Yeah, it was like we, we weren't even a month into rehearsals out of like three months that's when I should have bounced like that exact moment where I felt like F this company, like I'm done. That's when I should have left, but I didn't, I stayed and that was bad for the production because my negativity then just like became the, my aura whenever I showed up. Right. Like I'd be in a great, I'd be in great mood. And as soon as I showed up, I'd start looking at everybody and be like these people and I'd start getting <laughs> really mad. And so it, it was very negative and I, I should have left right away. Yeah. It's um, important that, that you was, recognize that actually. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's very important early on, especially, you know, in animation, if you're if you start to work on a show and you realize that, you know, the leadership or or your team leads or everything aren't leading the show that the way you would like that show to go or something like that. Mm -hmm. You notice that there's going to be problems right out the gate and you're just not in the mood for it, then you should probably consider backing out or at least speaking yeah. up because. Yeah. Oftentimes, you're not the only one that has those kind of concerns. And I do just want to backtrack here for a second for because sure. not all animation contracts or studios will roll over. Like, I mean, it's, it's, I made it sound, I guess, a little bit easy, but I, I know people who have 
rolled off of a contract and then I wouldn't see them until like the next year. Right. So it's, I, I was intentional about the way that I did my schooling and I, I approached my career because I, I didn't just stop at 2D and classical with like paper and then flash and then harmony. I, I diversified. I went even further and I, I went and did all of the 3D modeling and the 3D characters and, and all of that. And so any time that there was a position that opened up on any show, I could apply for it. Like it didn't matter if it was 2D. It didn't matter if it was 3D. I, I had enough that I could always apply for it at the very least, right? And a lot of the people that I know that worked at the studio were very well versed in one or the other, but mm. not both, right? It's kind of like in the new way of going, right? A lot of people these days can do a little bit of everything, right? Mm-hmm. But but back on back when I got started, a lot of people were one or the other, but never both. Mm-hmm. And so... In animation, even when I, I, I think I mentioned it, but when you uh, when you go to HR and you say, hey, what's coming up the pipeline? And they say, oh, this and this and this and this. You, st- you still have to apply for those positions and you may lose out, right? Mm. Just because you already work there. I mean, yeah, that's a plus and they know you and you have a reputation. But if somebody else is applying and their skill set kind of jives more with the project's needs, then you're out and they're in. So just, you know. It's it's that oh, whole be humble know. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very good to know because I mean, like, the the arts, you know, it's never guaranteed. Never, you know, like, you, never, ever. You're always you're always fighting. You're always working your way through it. Yeah. And so yeah, like you got to be humble and you got to be positive and like you got to keep a good reputation and a big part of that reputation is commitment. Mm-hmm. Like if if you come off as someone who's untrustworthy, who is unprofessional, then people aren't going to want to work with you. And it's just that simple. Yeah, that's true across um, all industry. All of them. Yeah, it's true. It is like, yeah, even if you're a construction worker or uh, you're garbage man or if you're a teacher, you know, like. Or like banker X. Uh, banker. <laughs> um, yeah, like you're just. <laughs> Extreme banking. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea I mean, of that, actually. Of like, yeah. uh, like, do you mean like '90s extreme or just like? Oh, maybe like... '90s extreme, but like, <laughs> I just imagine, just imagine uh, people at the bank who work at the bank, but they're speed running their job. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to make a transaction, and they're like wearing a tracksuit. They're they're behind the counter, just waiting. Yeah. Yes, See, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And then they just sprint off. Imagine if you kind of that. That would be crazy. See, you said banker X. I thought right away like Mega Man. It brings a so whole new meaning to like the term chase, like the chase bank, right? <laughs> you walk in and there's people chasing you around. Ah! I just wanted to hey, take you out money. Sign up for that. Yeah. There's the people with the classic burglar masks on, waiting for you to withdraw money. Oh hell yeah! And you got to chase them, chase them around. <laughs> Oh, perfect! I love this. Uh, so, is this are you pitching a video game, or <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm pitching a brick and mortar bank um, business model? Um, <laughs> um, yes. Um, oh my god, I forgot what we were talking about. We we're um, talking about robbers and banks. Robbers and banks. Oh yeah, no, so you mean... meant you meant the actual topic of the night. Yeah, <laughs> commitment. <laughs> so um, sometimes it's fun not to commit to your subject of your podcast and kind of go off and talk about these extreme banks. <laughs> extreme banking. Extreme banking. See, so, yeah, like it'd be cool if you see like uh, like your bank, your bank tellers like on a mountain bike, 
And so as like you put your card in, and you I, type it, then he like he like comes down and he just like types a little bit on his computer, goes back up, yeah. comes back down, types a little bit on his computer, goes back up. I like that we tried to recover from this tangent, but now we're just tangenting from the tangent. And to just continue the trend, you remember Clone High? Oh yeah, Extreme, Extreme Blue. Blue. <laughs> My son won't even look me in the eyes anymore. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's. <laughs> Talk about being committed to a bit. I was about to say, like, because, um, because, yeah, if, if you look at something like, like, uh, so, like, m- probably the more modern example would be something like, like, an episode of Rick and Morty, right? They take their one concept and they just commit to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how, like, kind of ridiculous or weird or like how much is not actually there. Like, I, I watched the newest episode where, um, don't uh, spoil it. Some- well, I'm not going to say the whole thing, but you have like Summer and Morty mm. with this new kid in school and, and they're in the their grandpa's car flying through space. And like that was that was more fun and interesting. I was like, oh, OK, like there's a lot you can do with this. That was that was pretty fun. But then um, the other story was Rick, Beth and Jerry on like like a night out. But it's like supposed to be this like uh, Rick's like uh, paying penance to hell through it. So like they have to open a box like in uh, Hellraiser. And these like demons from hell come out and they're like partying with them. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, that's like a really fun idea. That's like guys night with Jerry is like your torture. Okay. That's, that's pretty funny, mm-hmm. but then it doesn't really go too far from there. Mm-hmm. Like there's like, the, like, you can see the idea kind of runs out of steam pretty early on, but, but they, they commit. commit to it. <laughs> yeah. They commit to it. And like, like all power to them. They have a very successful show. So, you know, yeah. even, even if the bits not going all for you, just commit to it. And, success will come yeah right so um yeah. well i mean think about sideshow bob and the rakes <laughs> right they commit to the bit yeah. you know yeah. once is funny twice is funny three yeah. times is funny and then it just keeps going but the first time oh, yeah. you see it you're like oh it's funny you know because they they committed to the rakes where did they come yeah. from <laughs> well, like i love it how um uh, there's like a couple seasons later where they they bring the rake back and like hits him in the face and he's like ah oh, rake my oldest enemy yeah Bart's like I thought I was your oldest enemy it's like I have a life outside of you <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah like it, yeah I mean and I I don't know from, from like a business standpoint I don't again like I don't understand why you would agree to something and then just back out last minute like I can understand if if it's like a situation like your apartment caught fire and you had to go find a new place to live. It's like, yeah, totally legit. But if it's just like, I don't feel like rehearsing. So I'm going to say I I have a surgery coming up. Right. It's like, like nobody just remembers a random surgery. Oh, I forgot. (laughs) By the way. (laughs) Yeah. I have surgery. By by the way, everybody. Yeah. And then like, then you show like you have surgery Monday and then you show up to rehearsal on Tuesday. Perfectly fine. It's like, okay, Mm. well, like what was your surgery then? If you're if you're here and everything's normal, major abdominal surgery. Check this out. <laughs> this big six pack ab. Yeah. Going on. <laughs> I mean, per I'd get that surgery in a heartbeat. My goodness, <laughs> I had them put in. They're electric. <laughs> they like like they like they uh they light up like a speaking like a Simon Says. Yeah. So it's like beep beep beep. Like you play yeah, it. The, Simon the Simon says game, on your... the memory game. Yeah. <laughs> Man, if abs could do that, I would definitely work harder for abs. Well, I feel like the with the way that you can program things and the way that you know there's wearable technology, I feel like it's not impossible. I mean, actually, yeah, when you put it, it can that definitely way, uh... be CGI'd on a person, right? You can use visual <laughs> effects to do it for sure. 
<laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. I've always, I mean, I've always kind of said I'd rather have like a robot body, but like, I guess more cyborg because I wouldn't want everything replaced. Just like, you know, like my legs and my arms. Oh boy, <laughs> are we gonna have to go into the whole ship of Theseus thing? Maybe. <laughs> Where how much of you can be replaced before you're no longer Mark anymore? Didn't they do that in Futurama with Hermes? Oh uh, yeah, they, they did. did yeah. They made like Mecha yeah. Hermes. Yeah, they did it a few times. But Zoidberg oh, no, kept wait, those, all those of are... his body parts. Yeah, yeah, because he had them getting like puppet, made more perfect. Little Hermes. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I remember that. Yeah. Oh man. Wrap right, it up. Cool. Wrap it up in a neat little bow, Mark. It's Christmas time in July. Yeah, it, it's kiss. It's Christmas at my company right now. Christmas in July. Gross. Christmas. Yeah, super gross. That sounds yeah. terrible considering COVID. <laughs> what the hell? We sell, we sell lipstick and stuff. What do you expect? Oh, okay. <laughs> I I needed context. <laughs> I thought Just, I told you I worked at a makeup company. Yeah, but you didn't tell everybody else. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Hey, everybody. Also, work at a makeup company. <laughs> All right. So, uh, commitment. Some final thoughts on it uh, from an actor performer perspective. Uh, it's probably one of the most important aspects of your career, especially very early on, and especially in like the quote unquote like early projects, like the ones that actors kind of take for granted in their early years. It's very important to build up that respect and that commitment and build up your reputation right away. But, you know, no one's going to hold against you if you're doing other shows or if there's an emergency situation that pops up. They're going to work with you. You just have to let them know as soon as possible. But your commitment to a project is so important. Alex? Yeah, I will 100% agree. Usually when you sign on to an animation contract, it's because you want to work on that project or you're desperate for work or whatever, but you're still committed to the project, right? You, you give your time and your energy to the project and you do you the best job that you can so that in the opportunity that another contract opens up or you roll onto another contract, they're like, yep, this is our guy because mm-hmm. he did such a good job on the last one. We want him on the next one. You know, it's he's tried and true. And then, you know, it, that, that's how you start your, your vertical climb in the animation industry is you, you show up, you do the work, you commit, right? You finish your thought, you finish your work, you do a good job. Boom, beautiful. All right, well, that's going to do it for us on Commitment. Hopefully we see you guys next week. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Peace out. I wasn't very committed to that ending. No, you weren't. (laughs) No, we can't. We have to commit to this ending. podcast uses royalty-free music from track tribe and rkvc thanks for listening